Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 10th through the 16th, and we are going to be talking about Genesis 3 to 4 and Moses 4 to 5. For this particular video, I'm going to be focusing mainly in Moses chapter 4. Now, leading up to the chapters that we're reading this week, as well as just a quick summary of the chapters this week, we have seen the creation of the world. We have seen Adam and Eve placed in the Garden of Eden. We see the fall of Adam and Eve as they partake of the forbidden fruit. And we see sin and death and terrible things enter into the lives of Adam and Eve. We also see the addition of children and hope and happiness enter into their lives. Now, as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have some unique perspectives on some of these events. We have beliefs about where we were before we came here, why we came here. We have a perspective that the fall was actually a good thing. <laughs> and then we also have some unique perspectives on Satan. Now, I think one of the keys to understanding Satan lies in chapter four. So where did he come from? What is his motivation? Why is he the way that he is? How does he work? All of those things. So there's a verse that I want to read in Moses chapter four about Satan. Now, this verse takes a little bit of context to help you understand just where we're at. Two different sets of context. First one is we just saw the Lord, we saw Heavenly Father teach Moses about the creation. He left. Satan came to Moses and said, Moses, worship me, and threw a tantrum. And in the name of Jesus Christ, Moses cast Satan away. In the name of Jesus Christ, he said, Satan, go away. Satan left. Heavenly Father came back and started talking to Moses again. So that's the first context. Second context. What Heavenly Father is speaking about to Moses regarding Satan is something that occurred before the creation. And we're going to talk about that. So there's your context. Moses chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, And I, the Lord God, spake unto Moses, saying, That Satan, whom thou hast commanded in the name of mine only begotten, is the same which was from the beginning. And he came before me, saying, Behold, here am I, send me. I will be thy son, and I will redeem all mankind, that one soul shall not be lost, and surely I will do it, wherefore give me thine honor. So there were some plans laid out. So we're all living together in the primordial existence with our Heavenly Father before we came here. And Heavenly Father loved spending time with us, and he saw that we were kind of at a point where we couldn't progress anymore. There was no opposition, nothing pushing against us. We needed more in order to be able to grow. We were stuck. And so he came up with this plan of salvation, the plan of salvation that most of us are very familiar with. Well, Satan, according to this verse, came forward and he said, send me and I will force everybody to do what's right and we will all come home together as a family. When I am picturing this in my head, I am picturing it very similar to a council that we would see here on earth, even though we're dealing with pretty major players, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, Satan, pretty important players. I still imagine it being like a council we would see here. So Heavenly Father is all powerful, but he's not domineering. So he did not crush Satan. He did not crush the opposition before Satan had a chance to talk about his plan. He let 
Satan share his plan and for good reasons too. He let Satan share his plan and we were allowed to talk about it and discuss it. What was best for the spirit children of Heavenly Father? We discussed the merits. We discussed the idea of some of us not coming home with the plan of salvation or the idea that Satan could bring us all home together, right? I imagine that there were pleadings neighbor to neighbor on both sides saying, what are you thinking? Do you realize what this plan means, right? Now, no one likes the idea of being forced into doing something, even if it's doing the right thing. <laughs> no one likes the idea of getting forced to do something. I think the only time that really sounds good to me <laughs> is when I worry about my kids <laughs> making wrong choices <laughs> because I want them to come home with me. <laughs> yes, I want them to come home with me. Saying's plan never sounds better than when someone you love is making choices that are detrimental to their spiritual health. And I think that's important to think about, right? When we were there before we came here to earth, when we were all together, we were family and we knew each other and everyone laughs about the couple that's like, oh, we knew each other before we came here, right? We all laugh at that, but we did because we all knew each other. We were family. <laughs> we were all spirit children of our heavenly father. And I'm sure it was scary to think, what if I don't come back? What if I don't have it in me to be loyal to Heavenly Father and come home? What if I feel really good about myself and I feel like I'll come back, but what if there's a spirit that I worry about, someone that I'm very close to and I love, what if they don't come home? There was a reason that there were spirits who chose Satan's plan and I don't, this is theory, not doctrine. <laughs> this is my theory is I wonder if it's because they didn't fully understand. I don't know that every single one of them was innately evil, but that maybe fear, they chose out of fear, right? So what exactly was so wrong with Satan's plan, with all of us coming home? What was pinpointing what part of his plan was so wrong? Now, I've often heard, I've heard many Sunday school teachers say, why did Heavenly Father cast Satan out? And in response to that question, I often hear the answer because Satan was seeking the glory of Heavenly Father. Now that's true. We just read that in chapter four, verse one, right? That Satan was trying to take Heavenly Father's honor. Now, that's not right. <laughs> it shouldn't be happening. However, I feel like that answer is incomplete because I don't feel like Heavenly Father often has a hard time, obviously, he expects us to be grateful to him because he's given us everything and being grateful to him only makes us better, right? It helps us, us being grateful to him. He expects us to worship him because of everything he's done for us. But I don't feel like Heavenly Father is stingy when it comes to sharing honor and to honoring those who contribute to his plan. I don't feel like he casts Satan out just on the grounds of you're trying to steal some of my glory. I'm kicking you out, right? There is another key. So this is Moses chapter four, verse three. It says, wherefore, because that Satan rebelled against me and sought to destroy the agency of man, which I, the Lord God had given him. And also that I should give unto him mine own power by the power of mine only begotten, I caused that he should be cast down. So we see it in that verse again, Satan was seeking the power of heavenly father, but Satan was also seeking to destroy the agency of man. 
Satan didn't want us to have free choice. Now, why is that such a big deal? Let's talk about it. Satan was seeking Heavenly Father's power and Heavenly Father's glory at the expense of every single one of his spirit siblings. Satan's plan was unable to deliver on this goal of eternal happiness that Heavenly Father had for us, right? Heavenly Father's goal is not just for us to come home. If that was his only goal, he just wants everybody to come home again, he probably wouldn't have sent us away in the first place, <laughs> right? If that was his only goal. His actual goal was for us to learn and grow so that we could be happy when we come back to him, so that we could live the happy life that he lives. That was the goal. Satan's plan was completely counterfeit. It couldn't give us that. We could come down to earth and come back exactly where we were when we left. It wouldn't have given us eternal happiness. We would have been stuck. Satan's plan was counterfeit. And he was seeking glory, right? At the expense of everybody. He didn't care that we would be stuck. All he cared about was receiving glory for being a savior of us and bringing all of us home. And we know that Satan only cared about himself because as soon as Satan's plan was vetoed, right? As soon as his plan to force everybody to do what was right, he was, that was his plan, right? Because he cared so much about us and he wanted to bring all of us home together as a family. The second that plan was vetoed, guess who introduced sin into the world, right? Ironically enough, Satan was the one who came and tempted Adam and Eve, right? It was never about bringing all of us home. It was always about his own glory and his own power, seeking his own power and his own status. And we know that because he flushed his plan right down the toilet as soon as it was not going to bring him any glory. Satan's plan could not deliver on Heavenly Father's goal. It could not bring us happiness. It could not help us live on a higher plane and Satan didn't care. All he cared about was being this glorified, empty savior or over a bunch of his spirit siblings who were unhappy. And when you originally look at his plan, maybe it was like, oh, nothing is lost, right? Nothing is lost except for our potential to be happy for eternity. And this is very typical of Satan, right? These things that we're learning about him in these chapters, these tactics that he used before we came here are tactics he still uses today. Things that we can still apply as we are working to get back to our Heavenly Father as happier, healthier, more mature spirit children of our Heavenly Father. So these chapters teach us about how expendable we are to Satan and kind of how he works. So I can think of three parallels of things that we learn about Satan that we still see in our own lives. The first one is fear. When Satan was trying to share his plan, or I guess this is how I picture it, <laughs> when Satan was trying to share his plan, trying to convince us that this is the plan that we should go with, he used fear, right? What if you don't come home? What if you don't listen to the spirit? What if you don't make it back to live with all of your family again? What if somebody you love doesn't come back, right? He was 
using fear tactics to try and scare us into his plan. I'm sure he capitalized on the idea of the veil of forgetfulness. You're not going to remember. I'm sure he capitalized on the idea of trauma and all the hard things that were going to happen to us, or even just distraction saying, hey, look, all of these things are going to happen and you're not going to want to come back. Satan still uses fear tactics. Second one. I almost wonder if Satan completely flipped things upside down and made us believe that Heavenly Father wasn't the one who cared about us. I wonder if Satan was trying to help us believe that Satan, that Heavenly Father didn't have our best interest at heart. I wonder if he went around saying, well, Heavenly Father is worried about giving me his glory and that's why he won't let me go down and save all of you, right? I wonder if he was saying, Heavenly Father doesn't care about everybody coming home. He just doesn't want to share his glory, right? I'm the one as Satan trying to bring all of us home again and Heavenly Father won't let me because he doesn't care about you. <coughs> Satan is still trying to convince us that Heavenly Father does not have our best interest at heart, that he doesn't care about our happiness, that he is not trying, trying to give us experience that will bring us happiness, that his commandments and laws are meant to make us miserable or just trying to convince us that Heavenly Father doesn't love us. Third tactic. Now, this one kind of actually occurred after the creation, right? So when Satan went to tempt Eve to take the forbidden fruit, she was like, Heavenly Father told me I was going to die if I did this. And Satan's like, you won't die. You'll just get knowledge. And Satan was right for a time, right? So she didn't partake of the fruit and just die as if it were poisonous, right? She did introduce sin, death, and sin. She did introduce death into the world, but she didn't die immediately. There were delayed consequences. Now, Satan didn't necessarily bring about the delayed consequences, but you can believe he capitalizes on it, right? I once heard a theory, because I remember, I think the reason I heard this theory was because I was asking the question, why on earth did Pharaoh not let the Jews go, <laughs> to not let the house of Israel go, when all of these plagues were happening to him, right? When Moses came and was like, free my people, let my people go, and all these terrible things were happening, why didn't Pharaoh be like, this is kind of scary stuff, we should probably let our slaves go. And I heard the theory that it was because these plagues happened over an immense amount of time, right? And so Pharaoh did not connect the plagues and the consequences with holding on to his slaves. There are lots of times in our lives where the consequences aren't immediate, right? Satan loves to lay seeds of chaos and havoc in our lives and then walk away. And when those consequences sprout up, we don't always recognize it as the seeds that Satan sowed in our lives. And Satan completely capitalizes on that tactic, as well as those other two tactics of fear and Heavenly Father loving us. Now, Satan is very convincing and powerful and kind of scary, but there's good news. Heavenly Father's plan of salvation won out, right? We chose it. And the ticket for us home is already bought, right? Every single person who has lived on this earth has their own individual seat on that train back to our Heavenly Father. The ticket has been bought for each one of us. 
If you don't show up, there's not somebody else who's going to take your seat. There is a seat reserved only for you, and if you don't take it, it will remain empty. The ticket has been bought. Your sins, the ones that you haven't even committed yet, have been paid for. You can return to your live with your Heavenly Father. If you want to, and if you live the kind of life that makes you want to return to Him. And I think a lot of it boils down to the question, who do you trust? Do you trust Christ to bring you home, right? You trusted him before. When you decided to come down to this earth, you did it because you trusted Christ to bring you home. Or do you trust Satan who never had your best interest at heart? And that seems like an easy question. Like, of course, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ over Satan. But if you look at your actions over the past day, the past week, whatever time frame you want to look at, do your actions reflect that you trusted Christ, right? Who who are your actions helping you become? And I'm talking about, I mean, <laughs> you have to really, really look at what your actions are, right? If someone has an addiction, you can't just look at the addiction. If they relapse, you can't just look at the relapse. Did they repent? Do they still want to be better, right? Those relapses already been paid for. All those mistakes that you keep making over and over again, those have already been paid for. But do you still love the Savior? Are you still turning to Him? Are you still repenting? Right? What what are your actions helping you become? And that person that you are, do you trust Heavenly Father or do you trust Satan? Do you trust Christ? Do you trust Satan? Is it Satan who wanted to bring you home at any cost except for his own suffering? Satan wasn't the one who stepped up and said, I want to suffer them, suffer for them, because he didn't want to suffer for us. He didn't care to suffer for us. He cared to force us and to rule over us. He is still lying, still manipulating, still whispering to us that we should be afraid, that they're, that we're not going to be able to make it home, that Heavenly Father doesn't really love us, that Heavenly Father's laws and all of these things that He has given us aren't for our benefit, that we don't need to grow, right? Or have we trusted Christ? who wanted us to have the real experience and paid for the ticket for us back? Do we trust Christ who trusted us to choose what we want for our eternity, right? Satan wasn't even thinking about us, right? He didn't trust us to make our own decisions. Christ trusts us to make our own decisions and he paid for the times when we made mistakes. Every decision that Christ has made has been based on us. When he served, it was never for his own glory. It was for us. Even when he chose to rest and to take a break, it was never about him. It was so that he could more efficiently serve us. When he taught, when he suffered, when he died, every single decision was based in his love for us. That's what made him perfect. I'm grateful for my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that he has paid for my ticket home. I am grateful that because of that, because he has already suffered the atonement, because he has already won, I can have faith and I can have joy in my life. Because no matter how much I screw up, I can go home. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.